Hey there. It's the official tapes, the unofficial Grateful Dead radio program for the official releases. It is a radio program that airs on a bunch of radio stations around the globe. Every once in a while, we uh, get lost in the weeds. We go and take a few rabbit trails, and we discuss stuff like the Jewish Psychedelic Summit. It's going to take place May 2nd and May 3rd. Enjoy a global conversation exploring psychedelics, Judaism, ritual, healing, and spirituality. Now, uh, Judaism and the Grateful Dead got up on my radar when I was talking to New York Times best-selling author Steve Silberman. We were kind of bringing some connections between autism and the Grateful Dead, and this is what Steve said. If you really want to know what subculture influenced Dead had done, even more than autism, I would say, Judaism. (laughs) Deadheadism is very Talmudic in a sense. And Dead Base is also, I would say. A Dead Base is a book about the size of a phone book, and it details a bunch of Grateful Dead shows, the set list, every time a song was played, how many times it was played, where it was played, and a lot of uh, factual information about Grateful Dead shows. Dead Base is also, I would say, a very Talmudic text where, you know, if you're a Jew and you're studying the Talmud, you can talk for hours about, you know, the subtle possible interpretations of a word or what does this punctuation mark mean? And that's what deadheads do with different versions of songs. You can catch uh, one of the interviews that we did with one of the uh, co-authors of Dead Base over at the website, officialtapes.com. Just go on over to the soundboards page. That's where we have all of our interviews. Now, to get deeper into Judaism, Grateful Dead, and psychedelics, we turn our heads to another writer. Hi, my name is Madison Margolin. I am co-founder and co-organizer of the Jewish Psychedelic Summit. In addition to this, I'm a journalist. I've been covering the overlap between Judaism and psychedelia for about seven years now. I co-founded Double Blind Magazine, which is about psychedelics and also have a column uh, for Rolling Stone, and I've written for Vice, Playboy, uh, High Times, Tablet Magazine, etc., all on cannabis, psychedelics, and or Judaism. So that's kind of my spiel, I would say, and I am a fan of The Grateful Dead as well. <laughs> there are just a couple joke slogans among old hippie Jewish Grateful Dead heads. One is LSD, let's start davening, which is davening means praying in Yiddish. And the other one is P.O.T., put on tefillin. Tefillin are sort of these like prayer accessories. And so I think that's super cute and funny. Well, I think a lot of people, for starters, are asking themselves, what is a Jewish psychedelic summit, right? Like, what does Judaism have to do with psychedelics? And so the event really covers the gamut or the basics of the overlap between the two. So one of our first panels is about mentions and uses and rituals around entheogens or like psychoactive plants in biblical times. For instance, there was an archeological dig not too long ago that found the residue of cannabis in an ancient shrine. And there's also speculation that the burning bush That story with Moses in the burning bush had to do with acacia, which is a plant that contains DMT. You know, throughout history also, the Baal Shem Tov, or the founder of the Hasidic movement in Europe, was known to smoke from an enchanted pipe and go around healing people. So, you know, kind of some shamanistic 
themes there. So that's one facet of it. And then there's questions about psychedelic Jewish ritual, right? Or whether Jewish mysticism can be a psychedelic framework. So in my own psychedelic experiences, for instance, it's been easier to understand and integrate and make sense of the psychedelic experience through the Jewish framework, through language, through concepts of the religion. And then there's ways that people are also able to incorporate psychedelics into their Jewish ritual, whether it's something for Shabbat or Yom Kippur or any of that. One person I'm really excited to feature in the conference is Gershon Winkler. Uh, he's a rabbi who wrote a book called Magic of the Ordinary, which is about rediscovering shamanism in Judaism. And that book covers sort of a lot of earth-based shamanistic rituals that make the early version of Judaism appear more like an indigenous kind of tribal practice and religion more so than this academic European style version of Judaism that I think a lot of people think that it is. And then other parts of the conference look at healing Jewish trauma with psychedelics. So there's a lot of research right now looking at like the epigenetic impacts of trauma, such as from the Holocaust or other types of race-based um, persecution and how the experiences of our ancestors affect us today and you know how trauma is passed on through generations the last part is sort of on ending the drug war as sort of a jewish initiative for tikkun olam or repair the world and why so many people from the faith are also involved in cannabis legalization or psychedelic decriminalization or whatever it might be I'm working alongside my colleagues, Natalie Ginsberg, who is the Policy and Advocacy Director at MAPS, which is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. It's a nonprofit doing research into MDMA specifically for PTSD. And I'm also working with Rabbi Zach Kamenetz, founder of Shefa, which is an organization that seeks to bring psychedelic healing into Jewish frameworks. It's been brewing for a while. On Facebook, there's this group called the Jewish and Theogenic Society. There are people who've come before me who have been writing about it for decades longer and not just writing about it, but living it, you know, like really doing the drugs and doing the Judaism. So what the idea behind this conference, finally me and Rabbi Zach were like, yeah, we should kind of like get people together for some sort of presentation or summit or whatever. And it really, we just knew that we wanted to get everybody, you know, kind of in the same conversation. And so, yeah, I really snowballed where we involved Natalie and a bunch of other people who have been extremely helpful. And now it's become more of a, an actualized thing. Through our YouTube channel, we're doing longer interviews with people who have a lot to say or more on a panel already and we really want to feature and then we are also going to have discussion groups after or around the conference like on zoom or clubhouse and that will kind of be taught you know we'll be talking about judaism and pop culture and psychedelics or shabbat as a psychedelic notion of time so some of these you know quote-unquote 
thought leaders or people with lived experience in psychedelics and Judaism or academics or rabbis or whatever. We have, for instance, Dr. Rachel Yehuda, who's a researcher at Mount Sinai um, Hospital in New York. And she does a lot of work into like epigenetics and trauma and Holocaust survivors. And she's also spearheading the psychedelic center there. We have Yosef Needleman doing a YouTube video with us. And he is the author of Cannabis Hasidus, which is a memoir kind of like looking into his own relationship with cannabis and psychedelics vis-a-vis Judaism. We have Hadar Cohen, who is a kind of mystic and priestess. We have Aaron Ganuth, who is an activist and also the founder of his own nonprofit. It's a religious and theogenic nonprofit, Darche Rafua, and he's going to be leading a discussion group. There's so, so, so many people. It's, we have Ethan Nadelman talking. He's the founder of the Drug Policy Alliance. The list really goes on. I encourage anyone to just head on over to our website and we have the full lineup there. It's crazy. I thought when we were first envisioning this, you know, I said, okay, maybe a hundred people. Natalie was a lot more ambitious and she says, no, we're going to get 500 people. And I'd say Natalie is probably more correct. We're almost at 300, right? I haven't checked the ticket sales today, but we're getting up there and we still have a couple of weeks left until the conference. And so the response has been really positive. I think there's something that is like acknowledging what has really been a brewing movement for so long. The other part of that is like, remember, this is still niche, but I think there's no one who's going to say, for instance, like, this isn't kosher. Like, cannabis is kosher, right? You can consume it according to the rules of Jewish kosher. I think, of course, there are people, more conservative people, especially, who just don't see the value in quote-unquote drugs. Why would you need drugs when you have God, right? Like, if you're so tuned into like, the creator, what, the drugs are a distraction or they're not the real thing. And I, I can, you know, in a certain ways empathize with that. You know, Ramdas kind of went through a, a phase like that. Not that there's it's this myth that Ramdas stopped tripping after he went to India, but like, you know, the idea being it's like, you know, you come up and you come down. What's the point if you don't have a sort of sustainable uh, feeling of connection? So, you know, there's debate, for instance, whether when you go to Davin or pray, whether you should have a clear head or whether it's okay that you might be high. And there's a difference between, say, being high on acid and then starting to pray versus deciding that you're going to go to shul and then purposefully take acid in order to pray. So it's a slight nuanced distinction there. Are psychedelics inherently spiritual? Like, I don't know. I mean, I think the answer is yes and no. Like, you could be doing psychedelics just for fun with your friends, like not trying to get heady or, you know, into God talk and then unwittingly end up having a spiritual, mystical experience anyways. And then there are people who are really using it with that intention from the get-go. And of course, there are psychedelic scientists who are researching these substances and actually have defined in according to scientific terms and criteria the quote-unquote mystical experience which includes a sense of oneness or um, an ineffability like inability to describe the sensation with words you know this noetic quality um, profound like deeply felt positive mood stuff like that 
And they're finding that the magnitude of healing that someone might experience in a psychedelic trial, looking at say psilocybin for depression or anxiety or whatever it is, correlates with the magnitude of the mystical experience. So yeah, like I say that in lieu of the term psychedelic, I really enjoy using the term entheogen, which is basically any substance that could elicit a mystical or sacred sense. And so, yeah, like I said, the answer could be yes and no, just sort of depending on your set and setting and the, you know, intention. What does it mean to live psychedelically, right? Like, what are psychedelic values? And I think that's kind of separate from from the drugs themselves. And if you think of the term psychedelic as mind manifesting, but if you think of the ethos of the substances, you know, it has to do with like oneness and a connection to, to nature and to the cosmos and your community and your family and yourself and having an integrated whole true essence of yourself. And so the work to be done is never in the trip itself, but in the integration of the psychedelic experience. And I think that's what it really means to live psychedelically is to to ask yourself like what are my values like is what i'm doing in the world representing like my essence how can i enable or foster you know a sense of oneness with other people how can i feel more connected to god how can i feel more connected to nature you know these are things you can do again like with or without a substance you know you think of the psychedelic aesthetic right it kind of imitates the visuals that you might get during a trip but I'd say one of the hallmarks of it is that it's wildly expressive. And I think what psychedelics do is they make you, they almost make you more you, right? They really allow you to express your like truest self and your truest essence. And that, you know, I think is also the essence of, of psychedelic Judaism is, is like, what is, what does it mean to have like a direct connection with your identity and with God and with your community? Um, And one that is kind of ecstatic and mystically based and ritualistically based. I think ritual is a really important thing and it's very grounding, especially when we're talking about such spiritual highs. I think the jam band scene is intertwined with psychedelics and I think psychedelics are intertwined with religion. One thing that, you know, Ram Dass once told me this story where he was in Jerusalem and these two black hat religious boys came up to him and they're like, Ram Dass, it's you. We read Be Here Now. We got into psychedelics and then they became <laughs> ultra orthodox. And I think that that story is more common than you might expect. And so in the jam band scene, I've always found to be very open and just like easygoing and you get the weirdos and the freaks and the the parent, you know, you get young families and you get kids who are kind of like, you know, soul searching and, you know, it, it kind of brings a whole motley crew of people in a very like positive, good vibe atmosphere, right? And I think like if you're Jewish, whether or not, like, of course, there's a plurality of Jewish jam band fans or whatever, but You know, I think like that openness and like lack of judgment is really sweet, especially for people who might otherwise have felt during their life that they didn't fit in, whether they grew up in a religious situation where they were the weirdo and didn't fit in or whether 
they felt like maybe they were the only Jew in a certain environment. But again, like the relationship between jam bands and psychedelics, I think also leads to the relationship between psychedelics and, you know, getting people uh, more spiritually turned on. You know, I see the sort of the culture of the Grateful Dead really permeating a lot of like Jewish culture. And today I see that both with with deadheads and with fish heads. You know, there's a certain freedom to the dead and like a certain sort of like ecstatic presence. And I understand why it's such good music to like pair with a psychedelic. And I think a lot of Jews are sort of a, a seeking people, right? Especially if you looking at the counterculture, the 60s, the 70s, you know, a lot of Jews were kind of raised in this very dry version of like post-Holocaust American Judaism that was very boring and turned a lot of people off. And then there were a lot of people who got into the dead and got kind of spiritually turned on and, you know, became more religious. There's a term in, in Hebrew, Balt Shuva, which is someone who kind of wasn't religious before and is now religious after the fact and goes through this sort of transformation. And a, a lot of Balshuva people were into the dead. So I think there are so many stories where someone is has a psychedelic experience and then feels more connected to religion. Either you are on board or, you know, as you know, the Merry Pranksters would say, you are on the bus or you are off the bus, right? There was this thing in society where you were you were a hippie or, and you were using psychedelics or you weren't. And today, I would say that the, the powers that be are younger, for starters. They're not people who necessarily came up in the Reagan administration or Nixon times. And like, if you're talking about people who are now in their 40s and 50s in the 2020s, it's a different generation that, that grew up with a different drug culture. First of all, psychedelics have been part of indigenous practice, you know, in the Americas and so forth, you know, since the beginning of time. So, you know, it's kind of this like Western view to be like, oh, we are just discovering the value of psychedelics now. Right. So there is that indigenous wisdom component, you know, with ayahuasca and other plant medicines. And then we had the initial psychedelic renaissance in the 50s and 60s with Albert Hoffman discovering LSD uh, with Timothy Leary and Ram Dass and you know, Aldous Huxley and like that whole cohort. And then, of course, you know, that essentially it went too far and society got scared and and Leary didn't, you know, he didn't do much to make make the people who were scared of psychedelics not be not be like not see him as uh, uh, proselytizing that you should be taking them. So, you know, people are starting to not be as freaked out by these things. I think the research is honestly just picking up. Like MAPS is in the third and final phase of FDA approved trials to use MDMA for the treatment of PTSD. And also the FDA has fast-tracked psilocybin, which is the main component in magic mushrooms. Johns Hopkins, NYU, other academic institutions are looking at psilocybin for end-of-life anxiety, such as with cancer patients, for depression, for eating disorders, uh, for addiction. You know, of course, also ayahuasca, DMT, um, LSD, 
other entheogens are being studied for many of these same reasons, just again, like anxiety, depression, other mental health disorders, um, whether in, in microdoses or in regular doses. We're seeing also a lot of, you know, kind of startup companies exploring novel psychedelics for anything from physical pain even to mental health. There's, of course, I forgot to mention Ibogaine is being looked at as a treatment for opioid use disorders specifically because it has the potential to to sort of disrupt the addictive pattern in the brain. It's unending. And again, we might be seeing, uh, similar to how there was a cannabis green rush, we might be seeing something similar with psychedelics. So I think a lot of the psychedelic path can be credited a little bit to the, the path that cannabis took. If you see cannabis as sort of a gateway plant and priming people to be open to these types of things, then psychedelics are just a couple years behind. We're at like a massive mental health crisis in America right now. Depression rates, rates of loneliness, you know, the pandemic has just exacerbated all of that. You know, there's an opioid crisis that also speaks to just like how spiritually bankrupt our society is, that people are turning to like these other measures and and overdosing and things like that. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And finally, I think people are starting to really just be open to whatever else might be available. Also, there's the microdosing movement. And I always sometimes equate microdosing to CBD. You know, it's a way to get your toes wet without actually getting high. Um, And I think that's good for people who are afraid to get high. And so, you know, once you start microdosing a little bit, maybe you're open to like a fuller, you know, a fuller trip. And the promise here is, is just way different. It's, you know, these are much more intense substances. It's not like you can be taking a psychedelic all the time, the same way you might with cannabis, unless again, you're microdosing. And so the potential to heal is really profound, but also like there, it requires much more care. The pace of the research coupled with kind of the shifting attitudes in places like Denver or Oakland or Washington, D.C. or any a number of cities now that are, are entertaining psychedelic decriminalization is all coming together at once and creating this industry and this movement and this space that more and more people are becoming attracted to and started to change the public consciousness. I think this is really just the first of multiple summits down the line and other sorts of ways to gather the community. It really like shows how much like the music really touches all different sectors of society and and aspects of someone's personhood. And, you know, the Grateful Dead are not so separate from my relationship to psychedelics and my relationship to Judaism and Rainbow Gathering and Ram Dass and, you know, the Hindu movement and the Hasidic movement. And so it's all kind of coming together and I'm grateful for that. So thank you. jewishpsychedelicsummit.org. You can follow us on Instagram as Jewish Psychedelic Summit.